0: The wind machine is cranked up again in these parts, uh, and we <laughs> didn't have the greatest week, uh, but we are uh, working our way toward more spring weather in these parts. Uh, lovely weather, and it goes to Georgia. Anna Davis, a 16-year-old from California, shot a 69 today, and it goes to national to win at one under par. It is the third Annual Augusta National Women's Amateur, and uh, joining us is Jerry Zagoto from the Star Tribune. Uh, Jerry covers golf and Minnesota United FC for the Star Tribune, among other things. Jerry, it's been a while. How you been?
3: Good, and I cover final Four women's basketball too.
0: Yeah, I mean you're you're, you're all over you, you you do it all. And uh, Jerry, it's a great time of year. I I don't know if you had a chance to catch. Uh, the end of the goes to national women 's amateur, but in three years it 's become one of my favorite events because you can tell how much it means to these kids and and you know Anna Davis is a high school kid, and then you 've got a lot, lot of great collegiate players but to to be able to play and and uh, there 's a gallery there and it it 's all so familiar uh, I, I just love this event
3: yeah its just, it's just cool to watch the course and uh, watch yeah. the players and, and just just see it all. It's almost a little bit like like being there, even more so than watching the the men play in the, in the in the masters next week
0: yeah, and you know it's one of those i have a I have a feeling that if I ever have a chance to get on the grounds as a spectator i I should set my sights on this because every year I get the same email We're We're sorry your application uh to attend the Masters tournament. Uh, we we weren't able to accommodate. I mean, they have they have language that makes you feel okay about it, but I, I've been going through that for years. So uh, one, may, one day maybe, one
3: day you'll be a winner.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see. I'm I'm not going to give up. Uh, certainly, but uh, a, a great event there, and, and of course, so one one of the great weeks of the year for anybody who plays or anybody who follows golf is Masters Week next week, and that's always awesome. Yeah, it
3: kind of sneaks up. It's been busy around here. I almost forgot it was the Masters week coming up with the, all the other stuff going on. Yeah.
0: Uh, does Tiger play real quick, Jerry? What are your thoughts?
3: I don't think so. But, I what, you know, never underestimate him. But uh, I don't know. It's all curious how he ended up, you know. Any other week the PGA Tour lists the field, the Masters lists the field because it's their tournament. So I don't know if they know something or if they're just trying to kind of create – a little buzz or what? What it was, but uh, it would it would surprise me. But you know, with him, you, I guess you never say never.
0: Yeah, near fatal car wreck. All right, uh, get some real quick thoughts uh, on the final four and covering the final four. Um, I I thought the the two great teams uh, in, in both games last night. Um, but it was a struggle i, I don 't know if it, it, it was nerves. South Carolina had a very good second half and and beat louisville and then yukon I, I i've seen a lot of games in my life overcoming eight turnovers and going fifteen to seventeen from the free throw line in the fourth quarter for yukon to get the w that that 's extraordinary
3: yeah, they just got it out. It was you know yeah. a little bit like the, like a heavyweight bout it was just kind of pounding back and forth and uh, uh, you know at one point uh, they got there to, to to within two, but then they started making not a ton of free throws, but a couple of them just enough to to uh, hold it out in the in the in the final minute. But um, it, 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 it wasn't uh, basketball at its most pure, but it it, it uh, you know it sure was uh, revealing at the end who was who was a tougher team, anyways.
0: Yeah, UConn and South Carolina for the title. Tomorrow night, you spent a lot of tar- time at Target Center covering the Timberwolves, and uh, Jerry, you're off the beat. And here they are, a playoff team, still have an outside chance to be the six seed. How about that?
3: Maybe Sid was right all these years when he called me the kiss of death. <laughs> Whenever he saw me in the wolves, he kissed, kiss the death. So maybe he was right. Maybe it, maybe it was me.
0: Oh no. No, Um, but uh, Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell as it going again. uh, By the way, uh, Timberwolves and Houston, four to go on the regular season tomorrow night. And uh, by the way, Jerry Zagoda, good enough to join us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker hotline on this Saturday afternoon. Jerry, Minnesota United FC in action after an early season week off. uh, They get Seattle at Allianz.
3: Yeah. It almost seems like the season's been going on forever. They've only played four games now. Right. You know, it just seems like a, a long time, but they, yeah, they get Seattle. That's a, a bigger point. They've had their own, uh, well, um, the loons have loons have done well, especially compared to, to the start of last season. But, uh, Seattle started by losing their first two games, which is very rare for them, but they've had other things going on. They got champions league that they've been playing and uh, they've had a couple guys out to us national team and other national teams. So, uh, um, they're, always, they're always a good a t- good team and a tough match, and a, a, it's a good matchup early in the season here at Allianz. get to see it
0: yeah, and for the loons this start has been as you mentioned a big turnaround from a year ago, oh and four out of the gate now they're two oh and two and and they've they've played some good teams early in the season, so this has to be very encouraging that two uh, two a terrific start with with very high hopes this season. Yeah, well, they've only given
3: up two goals. They've only scored four. So, you know, it's kind of a thin edge there. It's like uh, you can't expect to win every game, one nothing. So, we'll see if they can get that uh, front four going together, get Reynoso creating some, getting something out of Fragapani, see if, uh, you know, Amaria can step in and, and play that striker spot full time or if there's other options. You know, and we still haven't seen the. Uh, uh Adrian Unu much or we, we haven't seen uh Abu Denladi so they've got other options but see if they can get some goals going in and keep that and they've done it they've done it with that you know back four kind of just held together a little bit by bailing wire because they've had, they got Chase Gasper out now they haven't had uh Roman Metanier yet this year so they've been just kind of uh, putting that uh back line together game by game and uh, probably will do so again tonight cuz I don't think uh, at least the, the other day um, uh, Adrian Heath said he wasn't. Uh, Near probably wasn't ready to to play yet on uh, on Saturday. So we'll see if they go uh, who they go with with that back line. But it's pretty, pretty impressive that they've only allowed two goals with that back line. Not uh, full there yet.
0: Yeah, there still has to be concern because uh, on on some of the players up front, the goal scores that that they haven't maybe got the bang for their buck, so to speak, out of some of these players.
3: Yeah, I mean, they've, had, they've had some chances, but, they, you know, it's the same thing. I've, this is what, my third or fourth year covering them, and Adrian Heath always talks about the final third, you know, having quality in the final third and being good enough to score. And uh, they've been getting chances. You know, they've got Robin Ludback back from the, the – he was gone with Finland team for two weeks here. And, uh, you know, see if they can get some they, – they were starting to get some chemistry, you thought, uh, end the last year, beginning of this year. Um, but that hasn't translated into – into more than a goal game, which if you keep playing like defense, you can get away with, but we'll see how long that, that can last.
0: Yeah, Jim packed Talians Field, Minnesota, and the Seattle. Jerry's a good covering for the Star Tribune. Hey, Jerry, good to visit with you. Thanks for the time as always. Will we see you tomorrow night? Um, I, I don't have a credential, I, and yeah, I, I don't leave, have I'll a leave, ticket. I'll leave a
3: door open for you.
0: All right. I, I, I know a door. <laughs> I'll, I'll see if they let me in. You know, the security's pretty tight. I had trouble getting into, speaking of Target Center in the, the security, I, I was credent, credentialed for the quarterfinals of the Boys State Basketball Tournament because I was calling a game on cable TV and a couple of games on Prep Spotlight of the 4A quarterfinals at, at Target Center, uh, what was it, uh a week ago, Tuesday, or it would be two weeks from this coming Tuesday. Anyway, I had a hard time getting into the building. I had to have people vouch for me. I had multiple forms of ID. They were tough. So there's no way I'm getting into the Final Four without a credential. All right, yeah, Jerry.
3: back to the was ra- packed to the Raptors last night and, with, and all the media stuff, too. So,
0: But we'll, we'll talk again later. Yeah, sounds good. Jerry's a to go-to joining us. Jerry from the Star Tribune online at StarTribune.com. Uh, uh, covers golf now, uh, the Final Four, and, of course, uh, covers Minnesota United FC Year-round. Loons and Sounders tonight from Allianz. Quick break. We'll have more in a moment. Here on News Talk, E3O-WCCO. Women's Final Four in town. Men's Final Four downriver in New Orleans. Villanova and Kansas underway. First national semifinal. Number one seed Kansas leading number two seed Villanova. 16-5 early in that one. Uh, Under 14 to go in the first half. Later on, North Carolina and Duke could be Mike Krzyzewski's final game. Duke favored by four in that one. Kansas favored by four in the game that's underway. And uh, the Jayhawks have a big 11-point lead early in that one. Title game on Monday night. Of course, women's final four championship game in Minneapolis Target Center tomorrow night. UConn against South Carolina. Men's Hockey Frozen Four in Boston next weekend. And the Minnesota Golden Gophers will be there. They'll take on Minnesota State in one of the semifinals. And uh, Gopher Ben Myers, uh, a finalist for the Hobie Baker Memorial Award. Uh, the native of Delano is the second Gopher hockey player uh, to be named Hobie Baker Hat Trick Finalist after Jordan Leopold in '02. Uh, the first year, the final three candidates were announced. Leopold went on to win the honor before the Gophers uh, went on to win a title that season. And uh, is Minnesota's most recent Hobie Baker Award winner after Neil Broughton in 81, Rob Stauber in 88, and Brian Bonin in 96. Hard to believe the Minnesota Golden Gophers haven't had a Hobie Baker Award winner since Jordan Leopold in old 2 That is amazing. So uh, Ben Myers, uh, Denver's Bobby Brink, and Minnesota State's Dryden McKay are the three finalists for the Hobie Baker. And that will be announced, uh, I believe, on Friday at the Frozen Four in Boston. So uh, congrats to him. Jonathan Lowe joined us earlier in the show. Tons of uh, women's Final Four coverage. A lot of sound. Recap of the semifinals last night at Target Center. Preview of the championship game. Uh, We heard some sound from Paige Beckers. Hopkins fame uh, and leading UConn into the championship game tomorrow night. As part of the Final Four, uh, a lot of coaches, a lot of players, former college stars, WNBA stars, WNBA coaches, including the great Cheryl Reeve, and uh, Jonathan Lowe had a chance to visit with Cheryl.
4: It's festive day here yeah. at uh, the convention center with the Final Four in town here with Coach Cheryl Reeve, the not only Minnesota Lynx coach, but the coach of the Team USA women's basketball squad. Uh, talk about this this whole weekend of festivities, this whole week you've been talking about uh, doing tryouts, doing practices with the team.
5: Yeah, it was a really productive week. Uh, we told the players before we scrimmaged today that... The way that they approach these camps is really important. We don't get many times together. Uh, So I just appreciated their their output, their effort, uh, trying to do what's asked of them um, and and grow as players and and, and try to position ourselves well for September when we compete for the World Cup. Uh, And then outside of that, that's the first half of the day. The rest of the day was running around doing doing fun things to grow the game of women's basketball. Uh, Pulled in a lot of different directions, but a lot of fun directions. Minneapolis has been an amazing host. Um, you know, the games last night were, were, were awesome. And, you know, we supported exactly how I knew we'd support it.
4: Now, you coach in the building that is hosting this event. Yeah. What's the significance of having this tournament come back here for the first time in over a quarter century?
5: Yeah, long time. Uh, We're such a great market. You know, we we support these big events really well. The Minnesota Lynx were a big reason why uh, the committee that decides these things uh, granted us the ability to host. And so, again, I knew we'd support. I knew we'd come out. Uh, We have a tremendous fan base here. Um, And I think the significance of it is um, we have a record number of Division I athletes, Division I women's basketball players. The WNBA, uh, it goes a long way that when they're young girls uh, and and they have WNBA players to emulate, they they have the ability to look at them and go, I can be them, I can dream. So the quality of the game has gone up since we've had more than 25 years of the WNBA around. Uh, And it's just, you know, I think for the city, it's tremendous. Look at all the, the young people that were here today. Uh, all of our players on the national team were influenced when they were youngsters by that one moment that it, they connected with a with a superstar, and it changed their lives. Uh, and so that happened here today. It's happened throughout the weekend, uh, and it's just I just think it's incredible for our communities. And I'm I'm so proud to to call Minneapolis home. So you were. In the W, you've
4: been in the WNBA, you've been in the professional ranks for a while, coaching. But you got your start head coaching at Indiana State. I did. Did you? Do you miss college coaching? Seeing all these coaches around this weekend and seeing all the frivolity and everything that goes with the final four. Do you miss coaching in college at times, or uh, do you you say, okay, that was
5: my time there, now I'm in the pros? Yeah, it's more the latter. Uh, That was my time. Uh, That's how I started. Uh, I'm appreciative of those those days, but. from the time that I was a season ticket member for the Indiana Fever when I was working at Indiana State I fell in love with the WNBA uh, and I'm just thankful that it's worked out as well as it has and talk about your progression
4: now to becoming coach of the of the Team USA women's basketball franchise that you know went through Gina or Emma now through Don Staley now through you The responsibilities that you now have the added responsibilities and being able to see the best women's basketball players in the world and coach them on your court as you head toward the world cup another olympics in paris
5: well it's still kind of surreal um You know, we've gotten to work together a couple times. We went in February at at the World Cup qualifying tournament. uh, And then this was our second camp together. We had more players that weren't there in February that could be here this time. Uh, And we're just working towards uh, trying to continue the great tradition of USA basketball, uh, which is winning. Um, And, you know, the faces are changing. Uh, And so, you know, I think my experience in the league, I understand the players and what they do. Um, And, again, you know, we've, we've got our work cut out for us. Um, you know, everybody's always always uh, you know gunning to, to try to beat the USA so it gets harder and harder each time and, and uh, but I'm excited about the opportunity and the challenge. Last question. This is a big
4: event around Paige Beckers because she's from Hopkins. Talk about her a little bit, her game. I know you've probably seen her a bunch of times being from the area. And also Aaliyah Boston. Yeah. Uh, those two players are not long to get into the league. Are you looking forward
5: for the, to them getting into the league? Are you not looking forward to facing them when they're in the league? Yeah, two generational players uh, in Paige. And obviously, uh, what a thrill for to be hosting here in Minneapolis. What a thrill for the fans that have followed Paige Becker since she was a youngster. Uh, Aaliyah Boston, uh, a generational post player. Um, I'm only looking forward to having them in the W if we have a chance to have them on our team. Otherwise, it's going to be you know kind of a you know the the challenge of scheming against some great players. Coach, congratulations on all the success so
4: far. Continued success, and we'll see you down the road, not just uh, over at Target Center, but
5: uh, in Paris. Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: All right, Jonathan little great job with. Cheryl Reeve, once again, national coach, Lynx head coach, and uh, without a doubt, one of the all-time greats to to coach the game. Joining us here, News Talk, A3O, WCCO, quick break. We'll have the weather. Still more to come. Speaking of hoops, uh, Timberwolves closing in on the playoffs. Uh, They still have an outside chance to grab the sixth seed. They beat Denver in a wild one in the Mile High City. Cal Soderquist scheduled to join here in about... Five minutes or so, a news talk, E3O-WCCO. Twins win in the Grapefruit League. Things winding down in Florida. They beat the Rays 8-2. to Nick Gordon, a monster day. Five RBI, including a home run, a triple, three total hits, two runs scored. Uh, Alex Kirloff banged up in the game. He had to leave. Uh, we'll get more on that injury the way it looks tomorrow. By the way, the Huddle Mike Max, Pete Najarian between 10 and noon. And then at noon, Corey and Danny with all the play-by-play. It'll be the Twins and the Orioles from Fort Myers. Final spring training radio game of the year on Monday, Twins and Red Sox. And, of course, uh, the opener is scheduled on Thursday. Timberwolves idle today. They continue the trip at Houston tomorrow night with the Final Four at Target Center. Uh... Timberwolves got a big win over Denver last night. Wild night in the Mile High City. Nikola Jokic, a monster game. Timberwolves were able to overcome that. Uh, D'Angelo Russell gets back on track to talk all things Timberwolves. Cal Soderquist from the Timberwolves Radio Network. You hear him pregame, halftime, postgame. Uh, Cal, always good to visit with you. Yeah, happy to be with you, Steve. Yeah, uh, a wild one in a win over the Nuggets last night. Kept the dream alive that the Timberwolves would be able to avoid uh, the play-in tournament and grab that number six seed. It's still a long shot with four to go, but they have a shot. Yeah, they do. They, They kept
1: those hopes alive. I think that was important. But also, you know, we heard Chris Finch say this after the game, that, you know, to get to get a great game, uh, you know, from, from Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and Anthony Edwards. All three of those guys kind of got theirs offensively and carried the team for stretches. And you couldn't necessarily say that. You know, Delo had been in, in a little bit of a shooting slump, at, at least to his standards. Um, and Chris Finch even said he told one of his assistants entering the game that, you know, if, if all three of those guys could have a good game and they lose a close game, they'd almost take that because, you're to the point of the season where you want to have those guys in a rhythm and, and feeling good and feeling confident when those, you know, either the play-in games or the playoff games, when they come around, you want to make sure that they're not still stuck in a slump. So I think it was huge to, you know, keep themselves within striking distance of the Nuggets, but also huge to get all three of those guys uh, going a little bit.
0: You know, it, it, it's funny you bring that up, Cal, because it was on for Mike Max on on Thursday night. And I, I talked about D'Angelo Russell and how crucial it was. And really Chris Finch has been talking about that for a while. Finding him ways to get him involved, continue to get him looks, because the the Timberwolves absolutely positively have to have D'Angelo Russell playing well when they get to the postseason to have a chance to win in advance.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, that it, it speaks to it that the coaching staff is so concerned to make sure that they get him jump-started when he, I think I've mentioned this to you previously, you know, he as a player is totally fine uh, kind of deferring to some of the other talent that he shares the floor with. He's obviously a really gifted passer as well. Um, So you can kind of forget that he has that skill set of, you know, I think, I think he had 22 in the first half last night, 12 in the first quarter, 10 more in the second. Um, And that just, it's huge for your teammates. You know, when you can come out and set the tone like that, um, and if other guys are kind of taking a little bit longer to get the rhythm going, you know, it was kind of Anthony Edwards in, in the second half or, or even more so in the fourth quarter, but Ant has more time to get his rhythm going if D'Lo comes out firing out of the gate. So it it all kind of works well, and, and I think it's, it's, it's really, you know, it, it shows how sharp Chris Finch is to know that, hey, we might be putting up points, and we might have even had some success before these two losses to the Celtics and Raptors, but it still is a priority to get D'Lo jump-started because they're that much more dangerous when when he's got his shot going.
0: Yeah, 6 of 12 overall from the field, 2 of 5 from outside the arc, but another number that really jumps out from the stat sheet, D'Angelo Russell, 10 of 11 from the free-throw line. If he's getting to the line and then knocking down free-throws, that's huge as well.
1: I I think what that tells you, too, is he's not just settling for three-pointers. Obviously, he's He's got that shot, certainly, and and we've seen him, you know, kind of uh, catch fire from there. And and he can kind of flip a game, you know, in the matter of six or seven minutes where he's knocking down the threes. But at times, if that's the only shot he's looking for, then he kind of becomes a one-dimensional guy. And if that shot isn't falling, it's pretty easy to defend him. Whereas if he's aggressive, if he's putting the ball on the floor and, and trying to get to the rim, and whether that results in you know, layups or, or fouls and trips to the free-throw line or even maybe passes out to you know, an open Carl Anthony Towns or Malik Beasley on the perimeter, what have you, I think that just tells you when the free-throw numbers are up like that that he's aggressive and, and he's you know looking to get his shot.
0: Cal Soderquist joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Cal, a part of the Timberwolves Radio Network coverage, pregame, halftime, postgame, And uh, you'll hear a lot of Cal coming up in the postseason, and it's coming up quick, just four to go in the regular season. Uh, A couple more thoughts about the win over Denver last night, the final 136-130, a wildly entertaining game. Uh, We we wanted to talk Timberwolves, but Nikola Jokic, (laughs) the numbers last night, uh for the big guy 38 points 19 rebounds just over 43 minutes 14 of 21 from the field 10 of 12 from the free throw line and oh by the way eight assists in the game last night that's quite a night for the big man he he does it all and and I think oh. the crazy thing is
1: if if you ask Chris Finch they wouldn't be you know all that all that upset with the way they played him and it's crazy to say that when you list off those stats but I think, you know, Chris Finch and the Wolves, they've they've won three of four against this Nuggets team this year. And in all three of those wins, they've at least sort of made Jokic choose. You know, Chris Finch has said often um, Jokic is obviously such a gifted scorer, but also a really, really gifted passer, maybe one of the best passing big men we've seen in, in several years. And Chris Finch has said they would rather take away his passing and sort of force him to be just a scorer because then you you kind of shut off, you know, the the rhythm and and sort of the uh, confidence of some of his other teammates. And yeah, he'll get his and he'll fill it up for 38. But maybe you can defend against that. And if you can limit that to an extent, it it gives you a better chance to win. So I think, you know, the game plan has certainly worked. He's still gotten some big numbers. I, I think I saw a tweet or a stat that with him on the floor last night, the Nuggets did outscore the Timberwolves. But in those, what did you say, 43 minutes? So in those in those five or six or seven minutes that he was out, the Wolves uh, made sure to make up the ground. It's it's pretty crazy, and I think, you know, with each one of these performances, he's already the front-runner MVP, but he just kind of cements it, you know, with a little more than a week left in the regular season.
0: Yeah, just, just ridiculous numbers. Timberwolves prevail, 136-130. And now uh, four to go in the regular season. Uh, they get uh, the Rockets. That'll be uh... – pregame, you'll take over, hand it off to Alan Horton for all the play-by-play, and then uh, home cooking to close it out. It should be fun. I think the big thing, too, from the win last night is, you know,
1: you win three of four against Denver, you've got the tiebreaker. So now you're, you're two games back, and you only need to make up two games. You can finish the season with the same record because that tiebreaker in your back pocket means that you'll jump over the Nuggets in the standings. So You know the schedule definitely lightens up compared to the the Nuggets and the Raptors and the Celtics from the last week. Um, There still are, you know, the Bulls. We wonder where they'll be playing uh, in terms of seeding. That's the final day of the regular season. The Wizards have played better of late. They're coming up uh, on Tuesday at the Target Center, but compared to some of these recent opponents, you know, if Minnesota brings that same focus and intensity that we saw last night, um, they should have a much easier go of it. So. It's interesting, you know, there, there's still the, ch- the chance, I guess, what what we've seen Denver do, you probably don't want to hold your breath that they're going to go two and two over their final four. Um, they've played so well, but you just never know. The Wolves have, you know, given themselves a chance into this final week of the season. But I think even more importantly, you want to be playing well. You know, let's say the worst case scenario, they come up just short of catching Denver. They end up in the seventh seed you're going to potentially face a a Clippers team that got Paul George back. Uh, They they looked really good with him on the floor. in that comeback win over the jazz earlier this week. There's whispers that Kawhi Leonard um, is getting closer. I would be shocked if he plays in the play in games, maybe, maybe he's ready in time for an actual seven game series, which is, you know, a little, a little more four or five days later. Um, But regardless, you're going to face a Clippers team that has plenty of confidence Um, And even, you know, it'll be super interesting interesting if Anthony Davis comes back and plays well and the Lakers jump back into that top ten or if New Orleans, I think they're in there right now, and if they get Zion back, there's a lot of sort of unknowns and variables. I think it's exactly what the NBA wants, where these teams that have had bad injury luck um, can still kind of keep themselves afloat. Now, on the other side, I think Timberwolves fans would be obviously pretty upset if you know they were far and away the better team all season long in terms of win-loss record and everything else and then got clipped by one of these teams that just got healthy at, at the 11th hour. But it makes for some uh, dramatic stuff when you look at the next, next week and change of games.
0: Yeah, and Cal, final thought here before we let you go is, and I brought this up, and I brought it up frequently. If you would have told Timberwolves fans far and wide – at the beginning of the season, that the Timberwolves in early April would be solidly in the playoffs, locked into the seventh seed, so so guaranteed to the play in, and still have a shot to be one of the top six in the NBA's Western Conference. People would have been thrilled with that. So oh, they, they, we're in a they good spot. Hand, yeah, they'd shake your hand and
1: take your money and, and run off as quick as they could. I, I think well, for sure. even simplify it or distill it a bit more. If I told you that, you know, an early April matchup on a Tuesday against the Washington Wizards was was close to a sellout and was going to be, you know, a, a playoff-type atmosphere at Target Center, you'd probably scratch your head at that too. But that's where we are. I mean, the fans have gotten behind this team. Yep. Uh, the team really feeds off that energy, and it, it makes for a ton of fun.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Cal, as always, thank you. We look forward to hearing you tomorrow at 5.30 on the pregame show.
1: Awesome. Anytime. Thanks, Steve.
0: All right, there he is, Cal Soderquist. You hear him on the Timberwolves Radio Network. Uh, Tomorrow at 5.30, Alan Horton with all the play-by-play tomorrow night. And then the Wizards in town Tuesday night. will get started at 6.30. Spurs Thursday, same deal, 6.30. And then a week from tomorrow, the finale against the Bulls, we don't know. Uh, We still don't know. Uh, Somewhere TV executives will sort that out. 14 minutes now in front of 6. Speaking of TV, I'm going to go on a rant in a moment. So, um, and, and it has to do with all of these events being on cable TV. You've got to have some sort of expensive cable or satellite or streaming package to watch these games, like the Final Four. We'll get into that in a moment here on News Talk. E3OWCCO. Final Four in town, Yukon and South Carolina tomorrow night at Target Center on cable. It'll be on ESPN men's final four right now on TBS. So if you don't have cable, if you don't have satellite, if you don't have some sort of streaming package that costs 60, 70, 80 bucks a month, you can't watch. And the one thing the NFL does is if you have rabbit ears and antenna you can watch the playoffs in the Super Bowl. Um, MLB has some of their playoffs, for instance, on Fox, over-the-air television. Uh, some of the Stanley Cup playoffs are available. I think ABC has the rights with ESPN right now. ABC had a game of the week on today. Uh, Colorado Avalanche, Pittsburgh Penguins. So there, there's some. NBA, same deal. Um, but when it comes to college, college football playoff, you got to have cable. Final Four, you have to have TBS. Women's Final Four. Um, the men's Frozen Four is on cable. ESPNU, I believe. And my thing is, is that I understand these companies pay big rights for television. But if you look at the women's Final Four that's in town, that's owned by Disney ESPN, ABC. You can't have the women's Final Four championship game on free over-the-air television for everybody to see. If you talk about growing the game, it's the same company paying for the rights. And, you know, wh- what's it going to be on ABC on a Sunday night? You know, the 945th episode of America's Funniest Home Videos or the women's Final Four? I mean, let's get real here. When it comes to the biggest events in college sports, most of the time, you have, to, you have to have a cable package to watch the Rose Bowl anymore. I just think it's gotten out of hand. Now, I have, I have two streaming packages right now to be able to catch local teams on television and get some of the other stuff that I need to do that's part of this job. And on top of it, I'm a huge sports fan. But, for instance, right now, these national semifinals should be on CBS. Now, I know CBS brought in TBS and these other cable channels to help pay the bills and, and fund this thing. And they want programming, too. But it it, it just sure seems to me that, the, that there's a lot of greed. And I understand production costs, and that's the way of the world. But the Final Fours? Not on over-the-air TV. And I'll circle right back around to the NFL. The NFL, the richest sports league in history. And they still find a way to put... You watch Viking games on free over-the-air TV. Whether it's on Channel 9 or Channel 4 or whatever. Every Viking game is on free local over-the-air television. And you can watch... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is right. Every playoff game on free over-the-air TV and certainly the Super Bowl every year. The biggest television event every year is free over-the-air television. It's frustrating.
2: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.